Blog Talk Radio. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kuja with the twins and come back. More But tonight, don't call it a comeback. gentlemen welcome to weigh in sports talk i'm your host brian tarvin and we'll be joined with co-host jonathan miklos tonight and this has been a terrible weekend for jonathan we're not going to kill him tonight but but really all we're going to talk about tonight are the relevant games from the weekend the games that really meant something to the playoff pitcher talk about the playoff pitcher talk about the future um, I'll just leave it at that. That's as that's as much as you can talk about right now in college football. Maybe some Heisman Trophy talk. Uh, discuss the weekend, what all went on in the NFL so far today. A little, a few good games right now. The Carolina Panthers getting ready to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. This could be a rematch: Chip Kelly versus Cam Newton from the 2010 National Championship game, where Cam edged him out by a field goal, the exact amount of points that they're favored tonight. Over the Philadelphia Eagles, Jonathan, man, I'm, I'm sorry, but but let me know what you were thinking last night with the with the kick six part two. Mm. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, you know, you know what really what really got me was you know we're sitting at sixteen points. And that that's a number that really bothers me because when we score 16, good things tend to not happen. Um, and when it was 16-13 and it was late in the fourth and Georgia Tech was driving down the field to tie the game, and I sent out the tweet, I go, you know, this this feels an awful lot like the 2012 game. And for those of you that know me or know Florida State program at all, the 2012 game I'm referencing is North Carolina State where we went up there and gave up the game-winning touchdown with 10 seconds left. So, as everything was unfolding, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there, and you're getting more and more nervous, and you get on the edge of your seat, and you start backing away from the TV because you're getting afraid of what's going on. And then Aguayo sets up for that field goal. And if you know college football, Roberto Aguayo has been one of the most automatic kickers we, we've probably ever seen at the college level. And uh, this is a guy who – had, was 20 for 20 on field goals in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was clutch as clutch. And, but it was a long kick, and it's one of those kicks where you have faith that if he can get it there, it's probably going to go in, but it's still a long kick. you got to start low with the trajectory. And when it got blocked, I, uh, my initial reaction was, all right, let's, all right, let's go to overtime. And, and, and then I see the guy running down, the, running up the field. I'm like, hmm Okay, tackled. Okay, somebody's got to get him right. Oh, Jason missed him. Oh, uh, Aguayo get him. Oh, Aguayo in it. Oh, did, did we just lose? It was it was it was the shock and the disbelief. It was it was just a pure what just happened. I mean, it just. What the what the hell? And, and you know, of course, you should, you throw the remote, you shut off the TV, and you lock yourself in a dark room and start consuming whiskey. That 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 was how really you know, that that's how it went. And you just sit there, you're like, I mean, this 
the season just ended. Why do I care anymore? And that, that, that was my reaction immediately after the game. And then as I got a little more level-headed, it was the season's still over. There's no way we're going to make the playoffs. If we went out and we, we, we win the ACC, they're still not going to put us in. I mean, there has to be some Armageddon going on. So what are we playing for now? And at the end of the day, we're not playing for much. And that's a sad reality because of what we've done over a three-year stretch, and especially the last two years, I mean, what, what are we playing for? And that, that's just where I'm kind of, I'm just kind of at. Yeah, when you when you win, you're used to winning, you're used to playing for championships, you get a little spoiled, Jonathan, and that's, you know, Auburn hasn't had the success that you've had as much. I wouldn't say, well, about the same, so. When, when I knew my season was over after Jacksonville State, even though we hadn't lost the game. But you realized last night that the Florida season, Florida State season, is over. It's a it's a bad way to lose to on the road and 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 against a team that you should have beaten pretty good. Georgia Tech struggled all year, and and here's Florida State again playing down to the competition. And I think Clemson was on their mind a little bit. I think you know in the future, I know these kids the way they think. They were looking at Clemson in a couple weeks, the big showdown, and Georgia Tech, here they come, a hungry team that, that's been struggling. All of a sudden, you let them hang around until the fourth quarter. Things, Crazy things happen like that, like the Iron Bowl when that happened. You know, Auburn made it, kept it close. Alabama had chance after chance to put Auburn away. They didn't. They paid the price at the end. It's kind of the way I feel with Florida State, but you're right. One loss, ACC champion unless Armageddon happens and you have a three loss SEC team, you're probably not gonna you're probably not gonna see him. But I mean, beating this Clemson team, Jonathan, that that went on the road to Miami and beat them what, fifty eight to nothing, fifty nine nothing, something like that. Is is that a team that, that you think Florida State can beat right now? You know, and I had this conversation with a good with a good friend of mine who happens to be a Michigan fan. So we're we're we both we we understand where each other's at. I was with him, I was there for him two weeks ago. Now he's here for me, kind of a thing. Um, and we talked about that. And I said, you know, I think we can still beat Clemson. I think there's talent there because um, defensively we didn't really we didn't show any weak links last night. It was offensively, we got way too conservative with the play calling. We weren't able to use Dalvin as much as we wanted to. And instead of just taking him out, we decided to leave him in as a decoy, which is what it is. And you're right, Clemson gave Miami the worst loss in my in school history. I mean, hung 58 on them. It was up 40, what, 42 nothing at half. I mean, uh, you know, that that was just a debacle of a game uh, where you had fights in the sand. I'd have fired Al Golden at halftime. Oh, and that's what confused me was they came up after the game and said, we're not firing Al. And then I want to say about two hours ago, uh, my phone starts blowing up that they did. So I, I, I don't I don't know what Miami's doing there. And I think that whole athletic department is a mess. But I still think, and I thought this throughout the year, Clemson's a good team. They needed a game like this, though. You know, the, the way they beat Notre Dame, you're like, oh, wow, they beat Notre Dame. But you're like, mm. You know, that game probably should have gone to overtime except for some bad coaching. The way they got by Louisville, you know, the way they kind of played around with Boston, you know, you're watching them and you go, you know, 
maybe this Clemson team and this Florida State team are two are very similar teams. Um, and, and then they did they did yesterday, and you're like, oh no, they're not, not even close. I mean, this this this, this isn't competition. This this is bad. This is really bad. And I, I think there's still an outside shot we win. But just like going into the year, I was worried about two games, and that was going to Tech and going to Clemson. And you know, I, obviously, my fears of the Tech game uh, were proven true. And now, you know, can can we rebound from this? We get Syracuse at home next week. Uh, that that that's going to be a good test to see where this team's at mentally. Because if we go around, we go out there, we play around with Syracuse for for sixty minutes and beat them by seven. I'm not even going to turn the Clemson game on. I'm not not even going to bother. And I understand, man. It's hard mentally and emotionally to to come back from a game like that. And, and Georgia Tech, not to mention, they'll they'll beat you up a little bit too physically. The way they block, the way they run that offense, but. You know, Armageddon, like you were talking about, I just don't know if it's going to happen, but, but I, don't, I don't see that team out there, besides maybe Ohio State, that, that looks deserving right now to say, wow, that's a playoff team. We we saw last night, John, that the Utah Utes, number two in the country, get skull drug in Southern California last night. They fall from two or three to number 13. Right now, Utah, to me, Jonathan, is out of it because of the way they lost to Southern Cal. Southern Cal is a three-loss team, like a three-and-three three team, and they get beat by three touchdowns. I mean, to me, a one-loss Utah team, it looks like to me the Pac-12 is a fraud right now. If you want to, if I want to be honest with you right now and really talk, I don't think a one-loss Pac-12 team gets in. You know, that's a good point, and that, that leads the question up to where, you know, I think at the end of the day, a one-loss conference champion gets in over a one-loss non-conference champ. So let, let's yeah. just for grins, Michigan State, I don't think, gets in over, let's say, Utah and Florida State if they win out. Uh, I, I, I will say that. But it leaves the question if Memphis, and Memphis in particular, not Temple, not Houston, not Toledo, if Memphis is undefeated at the end of the year, are they – in the playoffs, are they that number four team? And that all depends, obviously, on Ole Miss running the table. Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. They look good doing it. So if Memphis runs the table and Ole Miss makes it to the SEC championship game, they just have to win out to get there now. Does that put, yeah, Ole, does that put Memphis in that final spot? Hey, why not? I mean, why not? I know they play in – in a in a weaker conference, but this conference is looking stronger than most conferences, honestly. I mean, if you look at it, and the way they handled Ole Miss, it wasn't like it was a close miracle finish. They they dominated that game about three quarters of it. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm usually not a big fan of the smaller schools, but this Memphis team is good, John. I mean, they're not bad. They're If they run the table and they beat who they're supposed to beat, and you have a – well, what, what's dangerous is what if you have a two-loss SEC champion just say Alabama wins the SEC with two losses, and then you have this Memphis team undefeated. Who do you do? You leave Alabama out, and you put an undefeated Memphis conference champion in. Because remember, they do have a conference championship. Right, and that that's that's where everything gets sticky because we're looking at it. Let's you know, let's let's just put it on the board and say undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Memphis. Um, one, you know, and then you go, okay, well, where do we go from that? And where do we really go? You know, you go to the Big 12, oh, well, 
you know, let's say one of those teams is undefeated, which Baylor's season's in big question right now because their quarterback fractured a bone in his neck. We don't know when uh-huh. he's coming back. I mean, luckily their schedule's back-ended, but still, that's a serious injury. So maybe TCU can run that table. We don't know yet. You know, Oklahoma looked pretty doggone good yesterday. So it becomes, let's say, you know, you have an undefeated TCU. Well, then, I mean, you got, you know, one loss Utah, one loss Florida State, and let's say have a two-loss Ole Miss, you know, because if Bama has one loss, they're in. There, there's no arguing that. Yeah. If you tell me there's yeah. a two-loss Bama and a two-loss Ole Miss, well, now I'm sweating hairs. i got to make a hard decision here. And I'm still, if Memphis goes 13-0, and I'm still going to be hard to not put them in because Houston, Navy, and Temple all look like quality teams. They all do. I mean, Cincinnati beat Miami. Whether it's a quality win or not, they did beat Miami. Okay? Navy uh, played Notre Dame pretty tough. They look like a very good team. Uh, Temple manhandled Penn State, which that, that is what it is. And Houston uh, beat Louisville. So, looking at it, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, might actually be a better conference than we anticipate, and they might actually have a little more depth in their conference than the Big Ten, who looks like it's state, the two Michigans, and Ohio's undefeated, but would anybody consider Ohio a, top, a top-tier team? They look very good, Ooh. don't get me wrong. But it's still, uh, it's still Iowa is, is who I meant. It's still Iowa. Iowa is still you, the team we're all question of. Yeah, they suck. They put the 7-0, and they just skull-drugged Northwestern. Iowa looks good. If Iowa wins out, they are going to deserve some serious consideration when they play in that Big Ten championship game. Because that's a team where we'll coach. At Wisconsin and at Northwestern, they won both of them. Mm-hmm. And part of the campaign will get a win. Yeah, I look at the schedule. Maryland coming up after the bye week at Indiana. Minnesota's at home. Purdue's at home and at Nebraska. I mean, an undefeated Iowa team. But here's the deal. They're going to be undefeated until when? Until they play in the Big Ten championship game and whoever they play is going to just take them behind the woodshed. Probably. But but I want to ask you this. What happens if Temple beats Notre Dame this weekend? What happens when Memphis beats them? I mean, that, that's, the, that's a big game for this conference. If Temple beats Notre Dame right now, then we you have to put an undefeated Memphis in there. No doubt about it. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, either one if they run the table, because Temple is still undefeated. They beat Notre Dame. You sit there and go, well, I mean, they manhandled Penn State. They beat Notre Dame. Let's say they beat Memphis. Those are three quality wins. Not many other teams can sit there and say we have three true quality wins. Not our schedule. You know, we tossed up some of these teams. I mean, that that that's a legitimate claim for either one of those teams, and that's something we do have to pay attention to. I think that if we see a buster, a playoff buster out, out of the small the, this group of five, it's going to come out of that conference. Because if Toledo wins the table, I don't think it matters. I don't think anybody cares. Oh, they beat Arkansas. Who cares? They beat Iowa State. Who cares? But if Memphis or Temple can run this table, there you go, because I'm not, I'm not going to give that same credit to Houston. Houston runs the table. Obviously, they got to go through it. But if they run, I'm not going to give them much credit. Memphis, if you look at their November schedule, have to play Navy, Temple, and Houston three weeks in a row. That right there is going to separate somebody. Because if you see any sort of mixed result at all going on there, we might have no undefeated, and this conversation's over. We don't have to worry about it. 
But if Memphis runs through those three teams, good golly gracious. If Temple can run out the schedule, I mean, you have to put them in. I can't, I can't say you can't because that's, that's, that's the whole reason the playoff was put in. It's the Boise State rule. Well, Jonathan, looking at Stanford right now, at 6-1, and one, they climbed to number 8. Utah, number 13, at 6-1. To me, Stanford, and I don't care what anybody says, they do not deserve to be in the playoffs after getting beat like they did against Northwestern. I mean, just, to me, dominated. I mean, you can't get forgiveness for that, in my opinion, especially looking at what Northwestern's doing now. And you look at Utah, is Utah a fraud, really? I mean, they finally played a team. And that's why I put that post up, Jonathan, that Southern Cal is going to beat them by two-plus touchdowns. It's because I really believe that Utah is a good team against, you know, okay average talent teams, you know. But you, you get a great, talented team like Southern Cal with a NFL quarterback possibly and all these blue chippers, I mean, that's where Utah is going to struggle. And, and just imagine if Utah made the playoff and they played a, a team like Ohio State or someone, that they're going to get beat like that even worse probably. And I think Utah just sealed their fate last night. And But Stanford, I was going to ask you, do you think if they run the table and they're a one-loss champion, do you think they deserve to be in? Not will they get in. Do you think they deserve to be in? You can't keep Stanford out and say that uh, Ohio State deserves to be there. That that's good. That's going to be my 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 whole argument right there because um, they lost. Yeah, they did lose to a Northwestern team. That looks like a really really bad loss at this point. Northwestern's getting manhandled by everybody else. Now your excuses for that. It's week one. It's a noon game, out of time zone on the road. That that always is tough. I, I think we can agree on that. That that's extremely tough yep. for a West Coast team. Because um, they're play, they're essentially playing a nine a.m. game. Um. And, but, you know, they, they'll deserve some consideration, but I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to bang on the table for them. I won't if it comes down to it. But I think if if, if you're going to say they don't deserve to be there, then we have a problem because Ohio State got in last year. Yep, and I said last year Ohio State didn't deserve to, to get in. And I honestly think that, that Ohio State's loss was worse because they were at home at night game in their time zone. And they got beat by a terrible Virginia Tech team. I mean, you know, Northwestern, like you said, all the things you said were true. First game of the year on the road, uh, 9 o'clock game, really. And it's just the first game of the year. Nobody, You don't know who you are the first game of the year. And, and that's why I would give them a consideration is because Ohio State got it last year. And now you're sitting there saying Stafford can't because they lost their first game. So, I just think Stanford's a name that could get in there. And, and I look at their schedule, I, I just I think the only way they don't get in if they run the table and win the Pac-12 is if they lose to Notre Dame and win the Pac-12 and they're, you know, 11-2, and two, they're not getting in. But I, I look at the Pac-12 and I thought it was going to be strong, Jonathan. I did. I thought the Pac-12 was going to be strong this year. But, you know, they were talking about it's tougher than the SEC. But I look at it and it, to me it's turning out to be a joke. Well, my my question for that is: Last year, a lot of people brought up how the SEC ate itself alive. Uh, is the Pac-12 doing that this year? Do they have enough quality teams where they're they're actually good teams to where they're actually just eating each other alive? But I don't think the SEC or the Pac-12 is that good this year. Honestly, I mean, I think the SEC is the best conference in the country from top to bottom, but. 
I just look at the SEC and the Pac-12, and I'm not really impressed right now. Uh, no, uh, this year's been a funky year. I mean, we, we've seen some things that weren't necessarily uh, expected as far as certain teams just completely falling off the map, and some teams are just shooting up going, hey, you know, we're here, we're supposed to be here. But who are you playing? I mean, you know, all of a sudden, Auburn, who the SEC writers had as the, uh, as the favorite to win the whole thing, all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, wait a minute, who is this team? Who is this Auburn team that was supposed to be the favorite? They haven't shown up. You know, uh, you know who, where, where is truly this LSU team that was supposed to be a juggernaut? Because, I mean, it looks like they're kind of just hanging around and getting by. You know, anytime a team beats Eastern, a team like LSU beats Eastern Michigan by 22 at home, I, I, I kind of just look at them and go, were you really trying or are you really not that, that as, talent, you know, as good as people think you are? Because Eastern Michigan is easily one of the ten worst teams in college football, so that that's just you, know, you just kind of take a peek and go, what's really going on here? And that's I think we're still at the stage where we don't know what's going on. This is just the year. This is 2007 without everybody losing. Yeah, and and you know, and 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 I said the SEC is not impressing me. It's it's not in the top heavy as as I thought it was going to be. You know, LSU's undefeated right now at seven and zero, and I just. I'm just not – they have Fournette. They have the skill position players. They have a decent defense, I think, but no quarterback to me yet that's proven himself in a big-time game. Well, he's got a chance coming into Tuscaloosa in a couple of weeks to see in, in Alabama, Tennessee yesterday. Just just watching Alabama on offense, sometimes it pains me just to watch them trying to, to move the football. And it's, it's going to catch up with them sooner or later. And – Here's an LSU team that's going to be an underdog by four points with a chance. If they beat Alabama, this is what the SEC needs. The, the SEC needs, you know, an LSU or undefeated team to represent them in there to guarantee it. What happens if what happens if just say LSU gets beat by Bama, you know, Auburn knocks off Bama, one of these other teams knocks off LSU, and all of a sudden you have a two-loss West team versus a one- or two-loss Florida team for this championship. Do you automatically put an SEC team into this playoff just because they're the SEC? And I do still think they're the best conference in football, but I still don't see a team in the SEC that's on the same level right now as Ohio State. And last year, I, I wouldn't say that, but Barrett, watching him run this team, that Ohio State's a clear-cut favorite. Do you think anybody, a two-loss team in the SEC, could get in? I don't know if a two-loss SEC team could honestly get in this year, and obviously that would infuriate their parents, you know, their the people who own their broadcasting rights in ESPN because that's kind of their bread and butter as an SEC making it. And it's not because, um, really, it's not because they're banking on SEC fans tuning in. And this is kind of one of the things that I, I had to explain to one of my friends who wasn't necessarily college football savvy. I go, for ratings purposes, for it to be a perfect world right now for college football, the ESPN would love to have Florida State in, and they'd love to have Alabama in. And he asked me why. And I said, well, most of the country hates Florida State right now. I I mean, Jameis Winston, a lot of people still hate him for for what went on while he was there. Whether, you know, anybody wants to say he was the sin of sins or not, you know, obviously there's been worse. But anyways, and people want people don't like the SEC, so and people really are just sick of watching Bama. So of course they're rooting against Bama. 
you put Ohio State in there, people are going to root against Ohio State just because they don't want them to win it again. So you can throw in a fourth team that nobody really cares about and it's going to be the other dog that you can root for. That'd be the perfect world for the for the committee. Is that going to happen? No. And that's why I think looking at it, a two-loss SEC team getting left out may be the best and the worst thing. You know, a best thing because a lot of fans would finally do the whole finally, you know, we, we, get, we, we truly get something fresh. But also be you know, the worst part because, I mean, if there's no SEC team, who are you rooting against unless, you know, you really care about the game, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to get this studio working. Quinn's been on hold for a while. Let's get him on real quick. Quinn, welcome to the show, man. I'm sorry you've been on hold for so long, man. I've been trying all night to get this fixed. <laughs> there will not be a chat room tonight. It's all right. What's going on, man? What do you think of the kick six with Florida State? It was insane, but I was happy uh, for the sake of Notre Dame. I needed I needed Florida State to lose. Yeah, I well, need, you, you need to beat Temple first. Yeah, and then I needed uh, Utah to lose too, and uh, that helps makes uh, UFC's win look a little better when they go and cream uh Number three ranked Utah. Yeah, they just took it behind the woodshed last night, and that pick six, Jonathan, you said it too. That game was over uh, when that pick six happened right before the half. USC just—I uh, haven't seen a freshman linebacker like that in a long time. This guy just completely just took over the ball game, Jonathan. I didn't even hear this kid. What, what, what kind of star was he? Was he a five star? You know, I haven't even looked him up yet. I was just so amazed by the way he performed in that game. He, he he definitely helped some momentum in that game. I think the biggest thing, though, the biggest plays that, that a lot of people weren't focused on at the time was that those two, the fourth and goal where they punched it in. The first time they did it, completely swung the momentum of that game. Completely swung it. That was huge. And, and at the time, I'm sitting there watching, I go, they're going to go for it. And I was asked why, and they said, well, they, their coach has nothing to lose. He's an interim coach. He has nothing to lose. Of course, the, the, the players want to go for it, so they're going to go for it. I mean, what, what's he got to lose? Oh, well, you're not going to be the head coach now? I kind of expected that. I'm an interim. How many interims get hired from a full-time job? Yeah. Well, Quinn, while you're here, uh, we're not going to talk about Auburn much since they're really irrelevant right now in this playoff conversation, but I know you're an Auburn fan. What did you think of that great defensive performance yesterday? <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, I was out, so I watched some of it on my phone before my battery drained so fast that it died. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw, like, the first quarter when they got down 14-0 and then they were coming back. And then I, and then I caught – the OTs and I and I saw that they were in the 40s and I'm like holy cow the defense must have blown up and then I oh. saw them lose in the fourth OT and I'm like oh man the wide receiver dropped so many passes though yesterday that's, that's why that's it that's that's why that's why they lost right there the defense we we know it sucks. And we know it's going to take another year recruiting to get it there, but you can't drop nine passes. Nine passes, eight of them were over 20 yards. 
that were, you know, big explosive plays. You're dropping them right in your hands. I mean, is Duke Williams that mess where, where where nobody can catch? It seems like Ricardo Lewis has to have a miracle catch in order to catch it. It can't be just a regular ball hitting his hands. He's going to drop it. But the Auburn team had the drops yesterday. But Sean White looked real good as Auburn's quarterback, don't you think? Yeah, he – yeah, he's gonna, and he's just gonna get better too. Yeah, I think I think he could be. Uh, by the time he's done, I think he could be one of the better QBs in the in the nation by the time his career is done. Yeah, but I think I think Gus Malzahn's gonna go JUCO route after this year and see what he can get his hands into. But Quinn, I'm gonna put you on hold a minute and grab Sonya, talk about the. The Alabama Tennessee game. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Hey, Tarvin. You have to excuse my voice a little bit. That's one reason I hadn't been calling in. You know, I hadn't been well. But Jason and I wanted to call in and support you tonight. Well, good to have you here and and your uh-huh. your Alabama Crimson Tide pulled out. Hey, Sonia. Um, I'm sorry that I joined your club last night. <laughs> you joined my club. What club? The Kick Six the Club. The Kick Six Club. Oh, the, <laughs> the pick six club. Yeah, the kick or the six, kick six. You know? yeah, the Oh, kick you mean? Six. Oh, wait, wait. You mean you don't have a, a, a kicker that can't get anything through the uprights? <laughs> no, not just the return part of it. Oh, oh, I got you. <laughs> you guys have to. You have to excuse me because I'm doing my fantasy football and I'm watching the game or the beginning of the game and I'm talking to you guys at the same time, so I was a little confused there. What happened, Jonathan? Oh, yeah, you guys lost last night, right? The Seminoles? Yeah. that's Dude, yeah. dude, I, I feel you, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't. It's unlike losing when we were in the BCS because none of this matters. This is what people need to stop tripping about. No team is ranked because there are no rankings until next week. But everybody keeps harping on these rankings, the AP and all of this. And I keep telling people, I don't care what you say, no team is ranked. So your best bet is if you're, you're going to lose, lose early. Lose before the rankings come out. But I don't think you guys, I don't think it'll hurt you guys that much. Yeah, and the way you lost, too, you know, it's just not like they just physically dominated you. You lost on a, a freaky kind of play on the road in a conference game against the team that, that I even, a lot of people, even myself, had picked to win the ACC. So, Sonia, your Alabama Crimson Tide pulled one out yesterday against the Tennessee team. I mean, what do you think uh-huh. about your Tide right now? I wasn't, I watched them I play. I was very proud of them. And, and if you saw my post, because you know, Tar- and, and I have to say this too, because one thing I have to give Tarvin, Tarvin and I talk a lot during the week, just so people know. And he'll always say, okay, I'm going to make this prediction so you're my backup <laughs> if it happens. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I'm the same way. And I told Tarvin, there are two teams, I don't care where they are in the season. I don't care what kind of football they're playing. When they come play Bama, you have to, you can't take them for granted. You can't overlook them, and you can't just say, "Oh, they're they're going to suck." So you know, we're going. This is going to be an easy win, and that's Tennessee and Auburn. And Tennessee proved it last night. They they hung in there. They gave us the game. My guys came through. I'm, I'm I'm glad they did. But it also shows to me the improvement of the Tennessee program under Bush Jones. I was looking at that too. Yeah. 
So, but that's I'm a good proud point. Of, that's a I good mean, point. I, really I think a lot think, of people look at it and think of negative towards Alabama, but, but exactly. I think you have to look at it too as a positive towards Tennessee. Exactly. Thank you. And see, that's what really kind of ticked me off last night because all of these analysts were talking about. Oh, Bama had to struggle and this and this and that. And I'm like, uh, can we not talk about how good Tennessee is? I mean, this is not the same Tennessee we played last season. This is a Tennessee that just beat UGA. You know, this is a Tennessee that's improving. And it kind of goes back to the talk that we had had a few weeks ago as far as, as coaches. You know, like everybody in Texas was, was Texas was calling for Charlie Strong's head just because, you know, they lost this game and they totally forget, okay, if you really want an example of what happens when you coach hop, Tennessee is the best program because it took them this long to even get back to this point where they can start rebuilding because they kept firing coaches every three years. But now look at the patience, like with Texas. Look at what Charlie Strong is doing. Texas won again. You know, they're, they're improving. They should be better, a lot better next season. Tennessee is improving. They just, have, you know, have to learn how to finish. But it's part of just – it's the new realm of football that we're that we're entering into under the playoffs. Things are going to change, and people need to change with it. But I thought Tennessee gave us a great game, and my hands my hats are off to to the improvement of their. Yeah, at this point, I love watching a game with some defense. That that's unlike the Arkansas offering game. I like to see people tackle and hit oh, people. Oh yeah. I have a I have a question for you about Alabama. It seems like when they go on the road. They, it's business. It's like a business trip. They destroy people. But when they get back into Tuscaloosa, it's like they struggle. Just give me a reason what you think's going on there to cause that. Because I, I look at Tuscaloosa as a place, you know, to the, this year to me it looks like it's losing its, its – I mean, maybe the players are not as focused there or something. I don't know. I, on I the road, they, they kill people. Yeah, I think it's – because we kind of talked about that. Jason, I kind of talked about that a little bit. I think it's got a lot to do with just the players. I don't think it's so much the location itself, you know what I mean? Because when, you, when you're at home, you do get comfortable. And that was one of the problems that we had last year as far as, you know, you're, you're getting a little bit too comfortable in being the Alabama that teams were before you, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure I explain that right. But, you know, they were like living up to the legend instead of trying to build their own. It was like, okay, the 2013 team wants to be like the 2019. No, you're never going to be like the 2019 because you don't have the same players. You have to build your own legacy. So I think because Coach Saban really started preaching that two years ago, so I think that's got a lot to do with it is, is you know, changing that mindset because it's for, for so long it's been, you know, Alabama D. you got to be like that Alabama D. you got to be like that Alabama quarterback that came before you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so I think a lot of it is just catching up and it's changing that mindset. Well, Sonia, I want to ask you about Auburn. You know, you, you being an Alabama fan, but I know you'll shoot it straight. Looking at the offense, it's, it's looking good. It's looking like it's improving. Ooh. I'm still looking at the offense. I'm like, what's going on with Will Muschamp and that defense? I'm telling you now, though, you're – Dude, first of all, White should have been your quarterback in the beginning. And I did love the fact that they put J.J. in for that last um, touchdown. I can't remember what quarter it was. But you you know what I'm talking about when he jumped over yeah. the pile, so tall him. Mm-hmm. I did love to see that. That was great. We were flipping back and forth. But I think it's the same thing, Tarvin. I think that the fans are, are – they're, they're, they're so impatient. And I yeah. think – we as fans make it bigger than it really is because when I look at Auburn, I'm like, 
Okay, it looks like a team of freshmen, team with some, some major injured players. It's got some losses in key spots, and they're, you know, muddling through. They're making it through. Bama's been there. Every football team has been there. But when it's you, you know, when it's your team, it's almost like, okay, forget what I told all those other fans when their teams were going through it. No, that doesn't go for me. <laughs> but it's like, no. I think Auburn will, is on their way back. I just think that the loss of Woody – and he was, a, you know, Carl Lawson, for those who don't know, Woody's his nickname. Um, the loss of Woody, who was the key leader, and from what I understand, when I say leader, he was the, like, leader of that defense. Yeah. So I think him. Of the team, um, actually. Him, what'd you say, sweetie? He was the leader of the team, I think. Not just yeah. the defense, but I think he was the leader of the team. Yeah, I think losing him and, and having him out of pocket and not having – the guys, you know, being able to, to reach out to him the way they would if he were on the field or, or in the locker room with them all the time. Um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. But I think Auburn's problem, honestly, it's just youth. You just have a young team. That's all it is. Yeah. We had a young defense last year. Look at what happened. You know, but look at them this year. So that's what I'm saying. Auburn fans, y'all need to chill. Tennessee fans, y'all need to chill. Everybody who's calling for their coach to be fired, unless you're Miami, okay? <laughs> Miami, you're exempt. Well, he's <laughs> I fired. think they already hear that. So, Ms. Fry, I'm tired else? of hearing people talk about, I'm tired of hearing people, even officers, <clears throat> talk about, is it time to fire Malzahn? And I'm like, look, I'm 38. Oh. In my lifetime, we played for two national championships, and he's been a part of both of them. So, you're going to fire That's right. That, that, I wish somebody would talk about fire, fire Will Mooshamp or fire um, – Gus Malzahn. I'm like, wait a minute. Will ain't even been there. Can we give Will a year? I mean, like, seriously? <laughs> Can we give yeah, his, his, his more than three? His defenses are so complex. You know, Muschamp's like Saban. He's got to have a certain height, certain weight, certain kind of speed player. He, he's going to have to recruit a couple of years. And maybe next year, I think next year, like you said, the freshmen, all these guys, sophomores will be growing up. And these, these will be players that he recruited. I mean, he, he's going exactly. after guys that, that other coaches have recruited for their scheme. And, and honestly, yeah. I don't even think they knew what they were doing there with that scheme. But I think Muschamp was getting turned around. It's just going to take That's right. He was trying to put something together. And, and like I said, too, what, what a lot of fans need to understand, all of us, and this goes back to, you know, what we, what, we were preaching, what we were preaching before the playoffs started and what we're preaching now. You've got to stop thinking with oh, – college football is a whole new ball game now. A whole new ball game. There is so much going on in college football that so many changes. You've got pro pro style coming in through Harbaugh. You know, coaches from it coming from the NFL coming in, the Chip Kellys, Jim Harbaugh. You know, those guys going back and forth. So what what fans need to understand is that, especially if you have a a, a new coach or a newer coach, don't be so quick to talk about getting rid of them because the key question you need to ask yourself is. Who's going to take his place? Okay, and sometimes you rather deal with the devil you got because at least you know. And the thing with Tennessee, and it really upsets me with Tennessee fans, not only because my nephew used to to, to work with Bush, but it's the fact that this man has improved your program so much. Look where Tennessee. Look at where it was when Derek Do the day Derek Dooley got fired, and look at where it is now. And because of some some key losses. Yeah, you led the whole game, you lost to OU. You turn around and you did it the next week. Guess what? That tells him what he needs to work on. 
that tells him, okay, maybe I need to look at my, my OCs and my DCs a little more. Maybe I need to, you know, you got to give him t- a, t- a chance to fix that. You just can't say, we lost, fire the man. Because you don't know who's in line behind him. And that could be worse. Sonia, what you said was perfect, man. It, it was like, Butch, I talked to a Tennessee fan today, and I'm like, look, the difference between your team last year, even the year before, is this year I can see what you're doing now. I, I see exactly what Butch Jones is doing. There is yep. an identity there. There's an identity. And plus, look exactly. at the recruits that are coming in. Look at the recruits that are knocking down the door. And all of a sudden, a year or two from now, we're going to be looking at it, and Tennessee could be the new Bama, especially in the East over there. They could just, I mean, just dominate. Thank looking you. at Florida, but but Tennessee fans are talking about they're just down and disappointed. I'm like, look, you you should have won every game you've been in. You could have easily won every game, but but as we know, football is about finishing, and it's so hard as a young team to learn how to close the door. And one day when they learn, watch out for Tennessee because they're going to be hell oh, yeah. deep. Oh, I already said, I said, I expect after that game yesterday, I said to Jason, we were just talking, I said, I expect Tennessee to beat us in the next three years. I'm not lying. In the next three years, I expect Tennessee, if Butch Jones is still there and and they don't hop up and decide to coach hop again, because that will be the worst thing that they could do, I expect Tennessee to turn around and beat Bama. They're going to end it because they're just like every other team in the SEC, the ACC, Wherever you are, you want your team to win. You want your team to beat your top rival. You want your team to beat any rival, especially in conference. And I think with Tennessee fans, they're so used to, you know, oh, he's not working, kick him out. Oh, he's not working, kick him out. Oh, he's not working, kick him out. Okay, but you guys don't understand. You're not giving these guys enough enough time. And no, it's no longer under the BCS. Yeah, you can say three, four years. But under this new regime, nah, dog, we talking, you might have to give them four or five years. Three or three ain't gonna cut it no more, because you got to cycle some of these recruits out. Yeah, and, and here's the deal: one of these the Auburn, Tennessees of the world right now are playing. You know, they're playing young players. Bama's playing young players. All these players, but all of a sudden, Jonathan, I want to hear your point of view on Tennessee. You've been from the ACC. Do you not see a difference in Tennessee now that you did last year? Looking at the records, forget that right now. Let's forget the win and loss. When you watch Tennessee line up and play every Saturday, do you see a big difference than when Dooley was there? I do. Uh, and and uh, not, not to offense on you, but that's why I actually bet on Tennessee plus 17 this week. And my, my whole idea behind that was Tennessee is a better – A, it's a huge rivalry game for Tennessee. B, uh, Tennessee looks so much better this year. They look like a football team that has improved. They've progressed. Have they had tough losses? Yeah. And there's no doubt about it. The way they lost to Florida and the way they lost to Oklahoma are so gut-wrenching. And the knee-jerk reaction, and I've been there, especially in the past 24 hours, is fire the coach. That's poor coaching. That is pathetic. A coach should never put his team in a situation to lose like that. But just like Tony was saying, you've got, Butch has done so much with that team. Look what happened under Lane Kiss and look what happened under Derek Dooley. They were nowhere near as competitive as they are right now. This is the most competitive Tennessee has been since they had Fulmer. And, and that's why I think if you're Tennessee, you need to sit there, you need to let Butch do his thing. He's obviously doing the, the – he's obviously – whatever he's doing is working because the team's getting better. They're getting more talented. They look bigger, faster, stronger. They, they're showing all the size and improvement. So right now, just let, let him do his thing. He's got this. I, I have all the faith in the world in him right now to get Tennessee back on the map as a contender again 
because of the huge strides they made this year. Their offense is scoring. That has been a huge struggle for them. So their offense is getting it done now. Now it's just now it's a young team learning how to shut the door, and that is always the hardest thing for a team to learn. And Sonia, you know, Mark Rick with Georgia, a lot of their fans are fire Mark Rick, fire Mark Rick, and and we and we we make fun of Rick because he hasn't won a championship of what he's got. But if you're in Georgia and and you you fire a coach is winning you consistently nine ten games a year for the most part, who are you going to replace Mark with? Who are you going to replace it with, Sonia? Exactly. Who are you going to bring? And, and we all know the deal with Mark Rick. You, I've told it to you. I've said it over and over again. Mark Rick's only problem is he is very nice. He is too nice. He needs a cutthroat assistant. He needs one of those. All of the top coaches in college football have a ruthless streak. They all do. That's just something that they do. Urban, Nick, all of them. But Mark does not have that. So what he would need is an assistant or an OC or DC that has that ruthless streak that can balance it out. Once once Georgia gets that, that's it. That's all they need. But seriously, right now you've got a coach that, that keeps you continuously at the top of the SEC. You're considered one of the top tier SEC schools. Don't fire yep. the man because you're not going to get anything better. Trust me. Nope. You won't. You're not going to get anything exactly better. Right. All the other LCs and DCs that are hot, like the Kirby Smarts and those and those guys. Guess what? There's a wealth of schools that are looking for head coaches now because there are going to be some coaches fired. So don't think that Georgia is just the plum job. You know they're going to decide what's best for them and their families. So don't don't sit here and call for it's like wait a minute. This man at least keeps you keeps you up there in the top. So keep him and look at the people around him. That's who you got to bring up. But it's so stupid. A, I just, don't fire anybody. Just let people. And, and, I mean, look at right now. What do we have? South Carolina is open. Miami's yeah, and, open. And I'm the biggest defender of it, Sonia. And I, I'm going to admit it on this show. And you've heard me. I've I've said firing before. And then when I sit there and think about it, I'm like, look, this guy is is getting the top five. Just say, let's just be be fair. Say top ten recruiting class year in and year out. People yep. love this guy. And eventually, God's going to come down. As good a man as he is, and bless him, he's going to win about eight in a row, and we're all going to be sitting there looking stupid. Yeah. Um, but, but but Mark Rick's a, a hell of a guy, man. I mean, he's a, he's a great man. The way he took care of that, the the way he took care of that family, and the guy that was paralyzed, I think that was during his game showed just what kind of man he is, and the fact that Vince Dooley comes out and still supports him and says, man, this is a guy you you don't get rid of, and, and I'm with him now. I mean, I'm I'm starting to buy on right. Mark Rick. Eventually, he's going to get there, Sonia. In the next couple of years, Mark Rick's probably going to be playing for an SEC championship. Will he win it? I don't know. It could be this year. I know, they're, I, know I know they've lost two games. If they beat Florida, just think if Georgia beats Florida next weekend, all of a sudden oh, Georgia's in the okay. driver's seat for the SEC again. Yeah, but I'm just the thing with me that gets me with people in Rick is they forget. You know, the coaches who come in and win those championships off the bat – Look at Nick Saban when he came to Bama. Did he win a championship the first year he was there? Nope. No, he didn't. We did not win a national championship. Trust me, I know for a fact. You know, we had just come off losing to a bowl game, losing, uh, what was it, the Liberty Bowl to you guys in Minnesota. But, you know, we knew, real fans knew, he can't come in and do this overnight. But Saban being Saban, 
what Saban did is Saban put the right people around him in order to get those championships and get those teams. And then plus we had a lot of luck. I mean, think about it. It was two times that Bama actually we lucked up and got up in there because these teams lost. Two years. We lucked up and got up in there. Thank God we did and we won. But what I'm saying is people need to stop expecting so much from coaches overnight. The same with Harbaugh. I mean, to me, I'm glad that he's being successful at Michigan and they're seeing success, but I think it's going to get to the point where even before he was there, they were talking about, we're, you know, we're going to be champions, we're going to be national champs, we're going to win the next college football trophy, blah, blah, blah. Brady Hoke is it. Yeah, Brady Hoke, all of this talk. But you forget, dude, everybody had to have a starting point. Where was Nick? What, what did Nick Saban look like when he was in the Big Ten? Was he a coach that you'd be like, oh, we got to have him? No. Exactly. So these coaches, you know, it, it's it's all about the right fit. And Alabama turned out to be the best and the greatest fit for Nick Saban. Now, had that been Steve Spurrier or somebody else in there, who knows where Bama would have, you know, ended up. But it's the same with, with, with Georgia and Tennessee and these teams like that, and even Miami now. It's like, look, guys, you've got to find the right person. You've got to take the time to find the right coach. And that's one thing that Alabama did. They didn't rush into it. They wanted to take the time to find the right coach, and they wanted a coach that was honest with them and told them up front, I'm not here to bring you championships. I'm here to build a winning football program. I'm here to build something. I'm not here just to bring trophies in. And that's what these teams, these fans need to realize. Butch Jones is there to build that program, and he's doing it. Look at the results. Give the man a chance. You know, he's the best thing that's happened to Tennessee. And, I mean, I respect the heck out of him because there are some things that I've seen that he's done on the side and, you know, people don't know about, like the kid. Uh, the kid I posted the, the story about the kid with Down or autism. And he was a, the manager for this high school up in um, up in North Georgia, Ringgold. But they, you know, they kind of did a thing and they let him run a touchdown. But Coach Coach Butch Jones invited him and his family up to to the balls practice and to hang out with them. So he does stuff too, but you just don't hear about it. He's a very good man, and to me, he's the best thing that's happened to Tennessee. I think Tennessee needs to back up because I'm going to be honest. If something were to happen and we needed a new coach. I know a lot of people wouldn't believe me or a lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but I'd be like, you know what? I put, I put Butch Jones on our short list because I've seen what I he can do. I believe you. I've seen what he can do. I've seen him build that program. I've seen Tennessee couldn't even buy a game. I mean, you couldn't even win a rig game. Plus, plus Peyton's going to be there in two years. Or yeah, Peyton will be there, <laughs> quarterback's coach. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this right now. If, if, if you told me that tomorrow that – you know, Gus Malzahn was parting ways with Auburn. He was leaving, and you told me that we hired Butch Jones. Uh, I would be a very happy. I mean, not. I mean, I wouldn't be happy that Gus left, but I'd be happy to know that that the program was in good hands because I've seen what, he, what he's done, what he's done with Tennessee and everything. But, but Sonia, what do you think about uh, real quick before we get on? What do you think about Utah last night losing on the road wow. to Southern Cal? What What do you think the committee is going to think about that kind of loss? I don't think the committee is going to view it as a lot of people think. And this is what a lot of folks have to understand because I heard people, you know, of course last night I was in, you know, I run the game day thread, so of course I'm in the group and I'm like reading all these comments and people are like, oh, Utah was overrated, they never should have been there, blah, blah, blah. Forget all of that. They were not overrated. They won each and every one of those games. Okay, nobody gave them those games. 
they finally met a team in their, you know, in their conference who actually plays D and played up to their level. To me, that's all it is. And, and that's another thing. It's like when I say about the changing landscape of college football, we, need to, we have got to get out of this thing where a team is considered a cupcake. Cupcake needs to be out of your head, out of your mind right now. No team is a cupcake now because you've got to look at it like this. Every single team right now in college football, because we now have playoffs, there's no BCS, there's no computers involved, every single team is, whether it's true or not, it, the perception is there. It's starting out on the same level playing field, okay? So these teams that were considered cupcakes and lower-tier teams, they are now playing up. They're upping their level of competition because now they've got something to play for. They've got a reason to try to catch the POC's eye. Now, whereas before when Syracuse would play LSU, Syracuse would be like, okay, look, we know they big, their defense is crazy, we don't want any injuries, so look, let's go out there, we're going to play them soft so we can save ourselves for our in-conference championship or whatever we got going on. But now, no, these teams are bringing it because it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to worry about, you know, not being part of this club to be ranked? And that's what you're seeing. So you're going to see a lot of teams. I mean, look at Memphis. Memphis is is hot. They're good. They're good. That team is hot. And look at them. They now, if you look at the rankings that no longer count, guess what? They're on some of those rankings. So you kind of see it happening. You see these teams making a case for themselves. And I think what the PLC is going to see is, yes, Lee, yeah, okay, look at it. Utah went the gauntlet. They beat Oregon. They did this. They hit USC. Uh, okay. I mean, because every, everybody gets a gimme. I don't care what nobody says. Everybody gets a gimme because nobody expects anybody to be undefeated anymore. No. So that's their gimme. I, I, I don't agree. Think it's gonna be a deal. And Sonia, Sonia Southern Cal was favored last night at game time by six points. It's not like Utah lost it at home to a team that were two touchdown favorites. Utah was right. the underdog last night. So Vegas had some information that, that the public out there flapping their jaws didn't, you know. I mean, <laughs> I have much respect for the youth, and it's a loss that they we expected. I mean, let's be honest. Every I expect every single team that right now that's still undefeated to suffer a loss. I do not expect there to be too many undefeated teams. Those that are those that that are like, say for instance, we do have somebody that's undefeated, they'll probably lose in the playoffs. Let's be honest. And look at their schedule. And look at their schedule. So that's why I'm like, I'm not tripping too hard on Utah. I don't think the playoff committee is going to give it that much attention. And even Ohio State right now, you know, people talk about their schedule. I mean, they're going to have to play Michigan in Ann Arbor, and you talk about a rival game, and you're going to play Michigan oh my. State. So, so if Ohio State at the end of the day sitting there undefeated in the playoff, they've, they've earned it to, to get there and play, and I, I don't think they're going yep. to be undefeated. I really don't. I think if Ohio State's in there, they've lost one game. I honestly think that we're going to have – it's going to get to the point like you're going to see a one- or a two-loss team end up in the playoffs because it's not – you're not going to be able to help it. That's what I mean as far as college football changing. You're not going to see these undefeated powerhouses anymore. It's, just, it's not going to happen because these teams have heart. And no matter how big a team is, I mean, look at Ole Miss and Bama. We had that front seven. But guess what? We had five turnovers and Ole Miss beat us at home. Yep. You know, so it's like I don't think anybody could sit and watch a game and say, okay, I expect to win this game. Just never know. 
you never know what's going to happen. But I, I'm, I'm liking it. I'm liking the change. I'm liking the, the, the teams playing up to their level of competition. Like seeing Memphis and um, who's the other team? Oh, Syracuse, when they played LSU, seeing them kind of step up. And it's also good for their programs, too, because now they can show, you know, when it comes time to do those conference realignments, okay, guess what? I'd be looking at Memphis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like I'd be looking at Memphis, like, wait a minute, you guys can, you guys can, seems like you can play with the big boys. Let's see what you got. And they might be a Kentucky, but at least they're doing something. Um, and also, I think that you know, with the <clears throat> schedule starting to become tougher out of conference, you know, these guys are starting to schedule tougher. The, the chances of having an undefeated team in the playoff is going to be slim to none. I mean, just oh, because out of conference people, if you're if you're in a weak conference, you better beef up. Like if you're Baylor and TCU, you better start really going out, which TCU did. They went to Minnesota. But, like, Baylor, they're going to have to start playing people or they're going to get left out again. But because they you sure can't will. continue and to I can play. Even with um, with teams like Baylor and, well, the Big 12, first of all, they need to just have a championship. They've got to have a conference championship. Notre Dame needs to pick a conference. We need to get rid of all of that because that's just really getting on my nerves. But I am too. It is you know, too. it's the same thing, though. It's like it's it's changing. People need to understand we're not going to have – you can't look at a schedule and say, okay, cupcake, 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 you know, or, or look over here and say, oh, we're going to beat that team. We'll beat them. You never know who's going to win on any given Saturday. It's whatever team executes and has the most heart. And, and I want to ask you something, guys. I'll start with you, Jonathan, right here, you know. That Quinn's on the line too about Notre Dame. You know, well, yeah, they don't play the the Citadel or game or a gimme game, but but not having a conference kind of leaves everybody else at an unfair advantage because they have to play a conference championship game for the most part. Notre Dame right here just sits back. I mean, of course they play Navy or Temple or somebody like that, but they went out. All the pressures on the SEC or somebody in a championship game, they wait on somebody to lose. And the key word is wait because they don't have to play anybody else. So, Jonathan, what do you think? I mean, I think of Notre Dame needs to be undefeated if they're going to be in the talk for the playoff. I agree. I still believe Notre Dame has to be undefeated. And, you know, Notre Dame, you're playing in five ACC schools here anyway. Just, just you're a full member in every other sport for us. Why not just come on down and join the big boys? Join the conference. We know you belong in the Big Ten. Let's get let's let's get that out in the open. We know y'all belong up there, at least regionally. But if y'all are going to come on the side, well, we want to be with y'all for baseball and basketball and and soccer and and underwater uh, fire prevention. We got to be with y'all as far as it comes to football. I mean, we are, I mean, I understand why as a conference we accepted Notre Dame for all the other sports, and I know why we accepted them as a half member for the for football. And that was because it helps beef up our non-conference schedule as a conference. Because, you know, last year they got to have, they had to play Florida State. This year it's Clemson. They're going to play Miami, Virginia Tech, and everybody. You know, and, and that looks good on, on all these teams' resumes. Because it's still Notre Dame. But they they got to join a conference. And, and addressing the Big 12, yes, they need to expand. Because that's the only way they can get a conference championship game. So yes, they need to expand. And for the Big 12, BYU – uh, and Boise State would be two great teams for him to add. Boise State should be in the Pac-12 anyways, but if we're gonna if we're gonna just go ahead and throw regions out of it, because we've already seen that happen, why why not let the Big 12 go ahead and say, you know, let's grab Boise State, let's go ahead and grab BYU, because BYU should needs to join the conference sooner or later. It, it's getting old too. 
okay? And if you're the ACC, knock on Memphis's door and go ahead and knock on Notre Dame and say, let's get this done, all right? Because now Notre Dame's a full member. We get another team equal up the division. Boom, done. Memphis moves up. We get to see what Memphis really is, okay? The Big 12 is a conference championship game. Now we all get to see what we really want. That's what we need. But you know what? There's some people out there, and I'm looking at you, BYU and Notre Dame, and Texas tried it, and we're not going to see how that really works out, but they got their own networks, essentially. I mean, Notre Dame essentially does. You know, it's still NBC, but it might as well be Notre Dame Networks. BYU has their own channel now. As soon as they decide, you know what, our TV deals aren't worth it, maybe get some conference money would help a little bit more, that's when you'll see them join. But until then... We're still going to be stuck with the same question of one lost Notre Dame. Do they deserve a shot? And everybody's going to give you a resounding, no, they need to join a conference. And Notre Dame's going to come back and say, we don't need to join a conference. And, Sonia, if, if you, just for instance, Alabama, just say, just say they went out, they, they're playing in the SEC championship. I mean, it's not a gimme that, like, if they're playing a one or two lost Florida team, that that's just an automatic win. I mean, that's going to be a tough-fought game, and, and Alabama puts themselves at risk by playing this game. So it would be easy to say, hey, I'm 11-1, and one, I'm going to the playoff. But now they have to step in again into another championship stage to play. The committee told us last year it's all about conference championships just about. And, and yep. I, I just don't think Notre Dame deserves it. I mean, how much pressure is that on a team having to win on that Saturday when the whole world, whole country is watching your game? The, well, the SEC first- championship. Pack 12 well, I don't care what it is. Well, I'm going to tell you first, uh, if you don't mind, I just want to interrupt right for one quick second. Um, prayers up for Peters, number 71, Eagle, uh, just got carted off the field, looks like his knee or something like that. So just want to send prayers up because we hate to see any player hurt, pro or college. Amen. Amen. Get up there. Yeah, it was going on while you guys were talking. So I tried to mute it. So, Jonathan, if you heard me talking over you, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> We were just trying to see who that was. But, um, I was watching the same thing. You were? Okay. Yeah, I'm watching it, too. Um, I'm watching it, too. You are? Okay. Cam Newton's playing. I'm watching. But I'm going to be with you. I, I totally agree with you. I think if, if Notre Dame is not going to join a, join a conference, in order for them to be considered to be one of the Final Four playoff, team, playoff teams, they must be undefeated. But Jason wanted to say something because he's a good – He's a okay, so, so Tommy, you, you know there's no love for me for Notre Dame, right? Yes, I know that. <laughs> yeah, they're one of my least favorite teams. So, you know, as far as Gopher Law goes, and this will put a stop to it real quick, you just bar Notre Dame from any postseason play until they join the conference. <laughs> there you go. And make it real simple. Right. I like I that. Mean, but I am with Jonathan, especially the underwater fire prevention. <laughs> it's and, like you can join a conference for everything else except football. Seriously? And, that's why. Like, that's why. Really that's why. Like, like, honey, I'm 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 gonna be married to you except for a couple of weeks. I'm gonna go out with this other girl and cheat for you know. But, yeah. but I'm gonna come back to you at Christmas. Now I'm gonna be with you and the kids at Christmas. But there you go. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, Jason. Go ahead, buddy. Originally, Tarvin, when when uh, the Big Ten was courting Penn State. They were also courting Notre Dame. Those were the two schools they wanted to add. Penn State said, sure, Notre Dame stuck their nose up at the Big Ten. So, you know, as far as Big Ten schools, there's not a lot of love there. <clears throat> you know, they stuck their nose up at us. So, I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of Big Ten hate for Notre Dame. 
So, just, so Jason, you, tell me about Notre Dame. Were, were they in the Big East at one time? What, what, what conference was Notre Dame in in football if they ever were? I'm trying to remember. They weren't. They've never been in a conference. They, they were their own conference. Yeah. <laughs> they were never in a conference ever. And, and, and the reason why they stuck their nose up to the Big Ten was because they had that big, huge TV contract. And that's what locked yeah. them in. That's why they they didn't want to share. They're they're not um, they're not goodwill. <laughs> it's it's me 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 for Notre Dame. So that's why I'm happy whenever they lose. Yeah, and and I, while I got you on the horn here, I mean, let's talk about the Big Ten for a minute. You're a Big Ten expert, a man, Jason. I mean, I'm looking at the Big Ten. I'm very impressed this year with with the product they're putting out on the field. Not only on the field, but the coaches the coaches they brought in Harbaugh and, and, and looking at the way he, he's turned them around. And I, I was going to tell you, Jason, I was talking to a Michigan fan the other day after that game and he was all upset saying our season's over. And I'm like, man, last year y'all no. were so bad. You couldn't even watch the channel. Now you're Michigan's actually a good football team. The big Ten's really made leaps and bounds over the last few years. And to be a very like, holy conference. Yeah, Iowa, <laughs> Iowa's undefeated. <laughs> And Iowa could actually win the win the West. I'm like, ooh, geez, I'd never, I, you would never heard that out of my mouth. <laughs> Nobody ever said that. But Iowa, Iowa looks decent, you know. And you know, and unfortunately, my gophers, my gophers will play the bowl spoiler. I mean, we're we didn't have that kind of year this year, so. But tell me about the Big Ten, Jason. Like with Michigan, I mean, to me, their season's not over. And just, just I know you hate Michigan, but, but pretend that Michigan just say from here on out they run the table, and they they finish ten and two. Just say they slip into that Big Ten championship game. They win it. They're eleven and two. How do you leave them out with the first game of the year they lost to Utah? Once they had five turnovers by less than a touchdown, and they lost on that free play against Michigan State. How do you leave Michigan out of the playoff if they finish 11-2 and two and win the Big Ten? Well, I, I really don't think you'll have to worry about that because I don't think Michigan will get into the Big Ten title game with two losses because um, even if for some reason well, Michigan – technically only, technically only one, though, really, because they've only well, lost Well, I mean, if Michigan loses, to, Michigan loses to Ohio State, it goes to a tie. I don't know how that works out, but – uh, I don't know. I mean, it's in Ann Arbor, but that's the last game of the season, so um, that'll be interesting. I just know that whoever they play in the West are going to smoke, so whoever wins yeah. the Big Ten Championship is going to be one of the four four big boys. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, you got to be impressed with Iowa, you do, but, but, but Sonia, you're here. Tell me. I mean, I know you, you probably don't like doing this, but give me your top two conferences in the country right now that you think, after watching this much football, who do you think um, the top two conferences? Top two conferences. Oh, God. SEC is tough, well. isn't it? It is. I would say mine might surprise some people, though, because if I had to say, I'd say my top three. My top three are um, – Big Ten, SEC, and ACC. I'll be honest, the ACC is really – I mean, Clemson, 
I was laughing my behind off when uh, after they won because you remember the week before Dabo was he got upset when people said you know talking about the phrase Clemsoning, and I was like. <laughs> I wonder, if I was Dabo, I'd be like, I got your Clemson in right here, <laughs> right here. He had but it. Would, the ACC is moving up. I mean, I'll, I'll give the ACC some credit. And then look at Georgia Tech. Yeah, they look good last year. They look good. So I'm just saying, I don't. I think people are ignoring the ACC and not giving them enough props. But the top three conferences to me, as far as who's got the most and who's got the, the best chance to get somebody in there, are uh, SEC, Big Ten, and ACC. Pac-12, uh, they, they might be a tad, one step tad below the ACC, only because they're still, you know, Utah's doing their breakout year this time, but it's still just USC, UCLA. I don't even count Oregon anymore yeah. since Mariota's gone. You know, so it really comes down to USC, UCLA, and the Utes right now. Um, Washington State, or is it Washington? One of them. Is, is turning around. Oh, so. Hey, Tarvin, what, what does uh, losing the Baylor quarterback do to the, the Big 12 picture? Uh, that's a great question. We we talked about that for a minute earlier, but we didn't really break it down like that. But it, it really makes TCU, just say if Baylor loses their quarterback, TCU beats Baylor in, in TCU. Yep. I just don't think TCU, it carries that much weight as much as if you have a healthy quarterback. I think it could be another scenario of a Big 12 team getting left out again. Don't, yep. don't sleep on Okie State either. Or Oklahoma. Yeah, or Oklahoma. That's true. Or Oklahoma. But, no, as far as going back to your original question, though, uh, it would have to be, you know, SEC, Big Ten, and the ACC to me are the three conferences that are showing me something this season. I think it's the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12. What about you, John? Uh, I'm going to say it's the Sun Belt, um, <laughs> the Mountain West, and the Independent. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, I mean, if we're going to be honest about it, I mean, we talk about the three best or the three that have impressed me the most. So as we're talking about the three conferences that have impressed me the most, I'm immediately throwing my hat at the American Athletic. That, that's the number one conference that has impressed me the most. Um, now, if we're talking about, you know, the, the top three, I, I think the Big Ten definitely deserves to be in that top three spot, um, where yeah. you have Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Iowa, who, are, are, you know, all four of those teams look good right now. You know, Northwestern, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota and Nebraska being middle t- and Penn State being middle tier teams in that conference. It's not a bad middle tier. Um, if we're talking, you know, I, I, I think the SEC still belongs, even though it seems like it's a down year for them. Because uh, so Florida's played incredibly well. Georgia's still up there. Alabama, uh, Ole Miss, LSU, you know, and then you have A&M. I mean, still a very tough conference. Uh, it's just that some of their teams have just fallen off so quickly. Mississippi State has gone back to the norm. They're Mississippi State again. Uh, Missouri has fallen off. Uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt are staying in the gutter. Um, and then, I, I mean, if I had to pick a third conference to be uh, attached to that, um, yeah, yeah, I'll go with the ACC. I mean, we're looking at a conference where – Clemson's undefeated. Florida State's only losses to Georgia Tech, which we all thought Georgia Tech would be a lot better this year. A lot of injuries on their part, yada, yada, whatever. Um, 
They put they only lost their name by eight. You know they 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 are what they are. Case uh, only got one loss. Duke only has one loss. North Carolina only has one loss. I think yep. the ACC is definitely making a push this year to be a, a lot better. Um, I mean, it's just it's a shame looking at the ACC how when we had the Big East merger, we thought we would have Florida State and Miami and Virginia Tech as our top three teams consistently, and now you're looking at you know uh, 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 an ACC where your middle tier teams. I mean, Duke is ahead of Miami and Virginia Tech. I mean, would anybody have ever said that in their lifetime? You know, and that, that's the amazing thing I think about the ACC is it has improved to where Duke is considered a good team now. Yep. Yeah, and, I, and guys, I'm, I mean, everybody's got their opinions. I think Jason and I think the Big 12 uh, are in there instead of the ACC. But really, how do you? How can you really tell? I mean, honestly, I, I could say you're wrong. You could say I'm wrong, and we're both right. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's just so well, yeah, hard okay. to. Yeah, it's it's so many different opinions, and that's why what what's the beauty of the the playoff committee is because that's what they do. They sit there, and that's all they talk about. You know, our teams and and conferences and things like that. But I love the fact that they're they're kind of even though there's emphasis emphasis on the conference championship, it's not the be all end all. Because if you looked at their first list last year, you know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, here we go. There's some teams like Marshall. I think made it a couple of times. You know, so there's going to be some love given to those teams. Um, I wouldn't expect to see Marshall or Memphis or any of those in the Final Four. Not right now, not this year. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I think, uh, you know, the ACC is the best example of one of the top five or five conferences raising their game. And they started doing that last year. It wasn't just, you know, when FSU won won the championship. I mean, ACC has really been up in there, stepping their game up. And people aren't, I don't think people are paying attention because they're too busy looking at, you know, the Big 12s, the Big 10s, and the SECs, and the Pac 12s. But they have, they've slowly, slowly kind of brought themselves up and they've become a contender. So you can't dismiss, you know, those, those ACC games are fun to watch again. You know, it's fun to watch them. So to me, I think the, the biggest problem with the Big 12 is their, their championship thing issue, the fact they don't have one. And the fact that they kind of cannibalize themselves in a way. You know, you've got – we. I mean, we all do it, but in the Big 12 it's kind of like there's no end to it. You know what I mean? Like, like we know there's a conference championship. At the beginning of every season we know that you're playing to get to that conference championship. Whereas in the Big 12, okay, we're just playing to win because we want to end up in the Final Four. Okay. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? When you compare the two, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. And, 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 if, and if you're an SEC team, you know, for the most part, and I could be wrong, and I'm not saying this is arrogance, but if you're an SEC team and you you make it to Atlanta, that's your your, your door right there to get into the playoffs. Exactly. You know you're part. going. Yep. Yeah, for the most part. That's it what could I be meant. a three-loss Tennessee team or something playing a – Two lost Bama team and Tennessee beat them. Nobody's going. I mean, you know, that's just one of those yep. years. But it usually doesn't happen like that. The LSU Alabama game's a playoff game. You know, coming up in a couple of weeks, and then Alabama's going to have another playoff game if they win that one with Auburn, and probably. And then they're going to have another playoff game in the SEC championship. I mean, so Alabama's schedule. You look at it. I don't know if people say it gets easier, but I think it gets harder. With LSU, oh, it does. Mississippi State I mean, and think about it. When Alabama, Alabama and Georgia played that year in the SEC championship, and then we turned around and played Notre Dame in the BCS championship. To me, the championship was really the SEC championship. 
because we slaughtered yeah. Notre Dame. <laughs> but, you know, Georgia, it went down to the wire. I love those kind of games. I, you know, I love exciting football. I don't like the ones where you go out and you're just, like, throwing 20 and 30 and 40 points up and it's not even halftime. And it's kind of like, well, dang, ain't no reason to really watch the rest of this. You know, <laughs> I'm about to watch yeah, the third or fourth screen come in. I but like yeah, those exciting games. Yeah, hit me in the face yeah. at least, you know, make some blood come out. I want to see. Yeah, it's like, come you know, on, do something. I'm so mad. <laughs> I, I got a question. You mean Alabama played Notre Dame for a championship? <laughs> I mean, I almost I, I slept through that game. Uh, and to be honest, I actually did. I actually, I actually slept through that game. I got a phone call. I woke up. I saw it was 21 nothing, and went back to sleep. And, and that's exactly what you were just describing, though. Was that Alabama Notre Dame game? That national championship was such an embarrassment. It and, was, and not just for the Notre Dame fan base, but for everybody, because we all watched that Alabama Georgia game, going, "Oh my God, did you just see that? Did you see that game?" Yeah. And then we got that for our championship game, and I literally slept through it. I mean, I, I wasn't even excited to get home and watch it. I fell asleep on the couch, woke up, saw the score, went back to sleep. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? This is a game." <laughs> and that's that's the best hey, playoff. Hey guys, Quinn wants to say something. Go ahead, Quinn. Oh, Corey, see, I don't <clears throat> see. I don't get why people make such a big make such a big <laughs> deal about teams wanting to be independent. I, uh, it's not like Notre Dame goes out there and gets twelve cupcakes on their schedule. Notre Dame usually has more bowl teams on their schedule than any other team in the nation. And all right, if people have such a problem about it, then then how about Notre Dame adds a 13th game to make it fair? Because then nobody would be bitching because they would have 13 games. And if LSU ends up playing in the SEC championship this game, this year and they have one loss, well, guess what? They didn't play their first game of the year, so they're only going to have 12 games. So the bitching and all this because they're because they're independent and blah 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 they're so selfish. Well, you could well then how about any small business people that are setting up their own business and doing it their own way and all that? I mean, it's pretty much they're running their own business. That's what it pretty much is. Quinn. Quinn, let me ask you a question. If you were not a Notre Dame fan, if you were just an Auburn fan, okay, an Auburn fan whose team is in the SEC, and Notre Dame was just another team, would you still have the same viewpoint? I don't know. That's the thing. That's, well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not asking like that, to, that to make a point. That's his argument, though. Yeah, yeah, there completely. you go. If he was a Notre Dame fan, he wouldn't care and have so much visceral towards us for having visceral towards Notre Dame for not being in a conference. And that's where it all comes down is you have the whole rest of the country saying Notre Dame join a conference, and everybody in Notre Dame's corner saying, no, we ain't got to. Look at our schedule. We play Stanford, and we play USC, and now we're playing five ACC schools a year, and we're doing this and doing that. And it's like, you know what? That's fine and dandy at the end of the day, but you, you, you just don't get it. Okay, you're not getting the big picture. The big picture is we all got to go through a conference gauntlet. We all got to go through games where we don't have red dress officiating our home game. All right, yep. so let's try to figure <laughs> something out here. Let's, let's, let's find a happy medium. 
All right, and get y'all in a conference that you want to be in instead of just saying, well, we're making more money from NBC, so we ain't got to do nothing. Well, you know what? If everybody went independent, none of them ain't getting that money. Because all of a sudden, Alabama's, uh, people are, uh, you're going to see people out there for Bama. You're going to see people out there for Georgia. You're going to see Because it's the largest fan bases is what they're going for. And that's all it is. If everybody goes independent, Notre Dame loses their luster very quickly. And they don't become a talking point, And they don't win. Yeah, the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing with Notre Dame, the the, the hate, because it's not really hate, it's just more of a, a sour taste in most fans' mouths, is the fact that you've got this team that could possibly take a spot away from a team that had to, like everything Jonathan was just talking about, a team that had to go play through that schedule and go to try to make it to their conference championship. And you've got this other team that's sitting back like, oh, whoa, hold on, dog, wait a minute, we had to bust our butts to get here, and you just get appointed just because for you, it's kind of like what makes you so special, Is I think is what most fans feel. Mm-hmm. It's like, what makes you so special? Because you're not. You're just like the rest of us. So if we've got to go through this, and that's kind of what hits the Big 12 because they don't have a conference championship. It's like, okay, when Art Browse was talking all that smack, I was kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? Because the rest of the teams have done more. And you're sitting here talking about your team deserves a shot. Well, wait a minute. What about FSU over here? Or what about Oregon? Or what about Alabama? Or what about LSU or these teams over here? So that's what that's what you get a lot from the fans. It's more of a, who do you guys think you are? And, and uh, guys, here's something well, that nobody talks about really, Quinn, is, you know, like, like this say, like Alabama, they're in the SEC, right? They play Tennessee every year. And they play the same teams for the most part every year. They do rotate them, but the familiarity of knowing that, you know, Tennessee knows everything about Alabama. Alabama knows everything about Tennessee. Well, Notre Dame can keep rotating these guys in where you can't really get to know somebody. You know what I mean? It's like Tennessee, uh, like Sonia, Sonia said. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Just like Sonia said, Tennessee and Auburn, they're always teams every year. They're coming after you in their schedule. I don't think Notre Dame really has that unless you're talking about Navy, Air Force, Army, the Marines, the Teams like that, I don't really see it. Southern Cal. Uh, before, before the, before they had the, before they got the ACC contract, a lot of their schedule was similar. They probably had about five, six, seven games that they had on the schedule pretty much every year. Purdue, Navy, Army, Air Force. Who else? UFC, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue. You know what? When they dropped Michigan, they got a lot more hate. When they dropped Michigan, they got a lot more hate because that was a big game, and it wasn't even just the the, the nation was mad about the game being dropped. It was, it's Michigan you're dropping. It's kind of like when Miami dropped, when Florida dropped Miami, everybody looked at Florida and said, really? Because that's that's a big game. Those are against big teams. You're going to tell me, well, you know, playing Purdue is much more important than playing Michigan. Not in the national stage. And I think that's where a lot of it really started to pick up steam. And, 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 and I've seen the, the undefeated Notre Dame team. We, we saw it, Quinn. And I think this team is better than that team. But, I mean, but here's the deal, and this is the problem, is a couple of years ago you saw an undefeated Notre Dame team play uh, I think an Alabama team with a loss, I believe, and and just got 
just smoked. I mean, in Georgia, if if they had won the SEC and beat Bama, I think it would have been almost the same kind of result. And I think that's going to hurt you in the short term right now. It may not hurt you in five years, but right now, I think people still look at that. That committee like, okay, hold on there. We've got a a one-loss Ohio State team to say in a, in a one-loss Notre Dame team. It's not a contest. But what if you have a one-loss Ohio State Big Ten champion that just won and an undefeated Notre Dame? That's what's going to hurt you right now with this committee. Ask TCU and Baylor. If you don't play in a conference, you really don't matter. And, and the only way you're getting in, number one, is if you're undefeated. And number two is if other teams are forcing you in. Like if Alabama loses three games, all of a sudden Notre Dame's one loss will matter. You know, but if Alabama's a two-loss team, I don't think that Notre Dame one loss matters as much. But that's the only way they get in. They're undefeated or teams that are better than them or, or above them starts losing a lot of games. And this year, I just don't see that, Quinn. Notre Dame had their shot. Who did they lose to? Who did Notre Dame lose to? Clemson. So then the whole yeah. even playing thing goes out of the question then. If every team is supposed to be on an even playing field, then it's only on an even playing field for teams that are with the conference championship. That's it. You can't yeah. say I mean, every they... team's on an even playing field. Well, I mean, that's an even playing field for 125 of the 128 teams. That 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 sounds like an issue for only three teams now. You know, that, that only sounds like an issue if we're talking about BYU, Notre Dame, and Army because they're the only three independents left. So that's either the 12, that's the up 12, or left behind. That's the that's the ten schools in the Big Twelve too. I've heard the weakest argument ever heard about why they shouldn't have a conference championship game, and that's because historically underdogs win that game. And to that I say, boo-hoo. But they, they're going to catch up sooner or later. They're gonna have, if they get left out again this year, they're going to realize they're going to have to catch up. And then that's where we're sitting is, I mean, yeah, TCU's undefeated. They're 12-0. You're going to get consideration. But at the end of the day, they're still going to look at them and go, you know what, though? Their 12 and 0 is not as doesn't look as solid as somebody who just played 13 games. And you made up, a, you brought up a very valid point with LSU. Don't think I haven't forgotten about that because that is a very valid point. Their game against McNeese State was canceled. Okay, and I get that, but people are going to look at that a little differently because they're sitting there going, "Well, LSU would have won that game anyways." Well, we can't sit there and say, "Well, this team's going to win their conference championship anyway." Yeah, well, maybe you guys will get their wish in Notre Dame hats. If I think anything, Big Ten makes the most sense storming the Big Ten East, and that, and then it becomes the toughest division in college football. Um, because I, I honestly don't think it makes much sense uh, to join the ACC. If I, if I, well, if I, they join a conference i hope they join the big 10 and, and like i said geographically it makes sense you gotta understand now in the times we're in yeah it didn't make sense for the sec to add missouri it didn't make sense for the big 10 to add Rutgers. they did it because they wanted to expand their network now you know Ohio, the big 10 can claim well, we're in new york new jersey and this state and that state and the sec looks at it and goes we had an a&m missouri we got texas and, and, and kansas and missouri you know it's all about more of a footprint because it's not like Louisville made a whole lot of sense coming to the ACC. 
But it did, you know, just like when the Big East merged and we added Boston College, and we added Syracuse and Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, and it made a whole lot of sense at the time. All right, but the conferences now were looking to extend their their TV reach, which expends dollars. That's all we're looking at. It's a dollar move. That's why Notre Dame joined the ACC and baseball and basketball and everything. That's why they joined. It's a dollar reach. That's all yeah, it is. It is. Hey, guys, hate to interrupt here. We've got two minutes left. Sonia and Jason, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, thanks for joining me tonight. But make sure you can join us. We may have a show this week, but I'll let everybody know. Um, if you want to listen to us, you can go to blogtalkradio.com, of course. But you can also go to ultimatesportstalk.com, listen to us every day on that station as well. They, they picked us up the last couple months. It's been going very well. That's ultimatesportstalk.com. Make sure you go over there and listen to us. But but this weekend coming up, there's a there's, there's not really big games just like this weekend. But, but we're going to fire it up because once the committee comes out with their initial poll, we're going to start joining in, going through week by week, seeing how it's going to do it. Like Sonia said, nobody these AP coaches polls they really don't matter right now. Because honestly, the committee could have Memphis at number six coming out and, and then all of a sudden they're relevant because if they went out they're going to keep moving up but but the committee is going to let us know a lot and I can guarantee you it's not going to be what the AP says so we'll see what the committee says it's either this week or next I can't remember but I'll I'll keep everybody updated but guys have a great week right now in the first quarter the Carolina Panthers up seven to nothing on the Philadelphia Eagles everybody have a safe week and we'll see you Wednesday night or Sunday. Check in the Way In Sports Talk for updates. Thank you.